Got it. One Charlie's Angels. One. Let's go. Okay. This is just a Christmas card from your paper supplier. No one's putting this on their fridge. I got it. You got it. How about this, Michael? What if all the boys are on one side, all the girls are on the other? The boys are like, why yai yai And the girls are like, let's go shopping. <laughs> let's just jump in the air. That's it. That's a picture. Yes. Jump in the air. We're going to jump in the air. Here we go. Okay. One, two, three. Robot camera. This isn't one of those special military grade cameras that would be able to capture that. Um, also, Erin is jumping way too early. She's on the ground by three. I don't want to miss it. Well, if, if, if we all jump really high, we'll be in the air longer. Okay, here's a question nobody's asking Is this worth it? Don't answer that. <laughs> People, we need to just get one picture where we're all in the air at the same time. Yes? I believe in us. We can do this. Okay, I'm three. Uh, everyone in the air. Three, two, one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you ever try to take a group picture with your family, your ministry maybe, you can totally relate to this. And you know, we didn't try to do that during our parties this past weekend, but the teens, we had a party uh, a few weeks ago, and I can say that we got it. We got our group picture here. I want to show you our teen ministry and how proud I am of our teen ministry. Uh, so grateful for them. We've had such an incredible year. We've been through a lot, but I'm so grateful to serve uh, with my wife, the Youth and Family Ministry teens. You're awesome. We love you guys a lot. Um, you know, I think about during this time of year, there's so much to celebrate, but we definitely don't want to miss Christmas and the reason for the season. There's a name we frequently give to Jesus during this time of year, and that's Emmanuel which means God with us. There's a prophecy that says in Isaiah 7, verse 14, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call Him Emmanuel. And that's what we celebrate during Christmas, the fulfillment of this prophecy made 700 years before the birth of Jesus. God was saying that there's a time that's coming where God Himself will dwell with His people and He will be among you. And this has been God's plan all along. God seeking to reconcile His people back to Him. But it's so easy to take this name for granted during this time of year. And so I want to make sure we take the time here today to recognize the presence of God. But the significance of this promise is so big that I really want to examine it, uh, not just the cost, but what it was like before this was made available. Before we could approach God confidently. It's kind of like life before kids. You know, we named our oldest Emmanuel, which is Spanish for Emmanuel, and we wanted a name that could be said in English and Spanish, 
mostly in Spanish. So thank you for those who try to say his name, Emmanuel, and not Emmanuel. Uh, it's still kind of foreign to me when I hear someone call him Emmanuel. It's like, it's Emmanuel. But it's Spanish for Emmanuel. If you were to ask him, he'd be like, oh, I'm not Emmanuel, I'm Meme. And, uh, and so right now, that's where he's at. But nevertheless, him and his younger brother have blessed our lives in incredible ways. It's almost as Addie and I can't recall what it was like before then. Almost. Almost. <laughs> but honestly, we can't imagine life without them. We can't imagine ever going back. If you were to ask Daniel, our one-year-old, he would tell you, I, I can't imagine going back to crawling. I walk now. There's so much to, to touch and climb and hide. There's so much to do. But you don't have to have kids to understand what I mean. You know, do you remember life before smartphones? Maybe you remember the Motorola Razor. Alright, this is my time frame, okay? Some of you are like, oh, PDAs and all this, okay? Okay, this was like equivalent of the iPhone, okay? It was hot, the Razor. It's as good as it gets, the epitome of all phones. But this is what I was rocking during that time. I had, I had a little Nokia over here, alright? It didn't have color. You guys remember this phone? <laughs> Tease, I'm telling you, I was a junior, I think, in college, and I finally got a cell phone, and that was it. Everyone's rocking the Razor. All right, I'm rocking this guy playing Sneak. You guys remember Sneak? Playing a little... All right. It, it entertained me for hours, right? I mean, you're just like hours of fun playing on that little green screen with a little, little snake, trying to make sure you touch it, not touch itself or the wall, right? Or you lose. <laughs> You can't imagine ever going back to these things since smartphones. Let me just throw this out there. Has anyone ever had to call someone collect? Okay, so, so this crowd understands. But the teens, again, you guys don't feel me on this. But I remember being, I think it was eighth grader. And being at the park and not having changed to call my mom. And I was just like, oh man, i got to let her know. I'm in front of the tennis courts at the park to pick me up. So I'd call collect. Yeah. This calls from, mom, I'm at the tennis courts by the park. Pick me up. <laughs> don't, don't accept the collect call. I, just, I gave you my little three-second message where I'm at. I'm ready for you to pick me up. You know, you just don't go back to those things. But to understand the significance of the promise of Emmanuel, of God being with us, I think we need to go back to an understanding of what it was like to enter God's presence before this was made available to us, before Jesus introduced the new covenant. You know, Jesus is really only, you know, I mean, He's awesome, but He's only this awesome until you really understand the process. You grasp before God through the Old Testament, through the Old Covenant, what it was like. He then becomes this much more awesome to us. So I hope to make the comparison between the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, old way of approaching God, 
and the new covenant, the new way of approaching God in hopes that we can all elevate, elevate our love, elevate our appreciation, elevate our understanding of Jesus, of Emmanuel, God with us. Let's go to God in a word of prayer. Father, I pray at this time there's nothing more important that we could absolutely do right now than to dial in to Your Word. To focus in and not be distracted by all the things that have been going on in our lives so we could set aside those things right now and be moved by Your plan as we dig in this time. We love You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So just like the flip phone was a precursor to the smartphones, there was a precursor to how we, anyone, would come to God in the Old Testament. Okay. And God created a covenant with His people, and teens should be aware, and, and, and know, uh, they should know that, they understand that. We took some time earlier this year to talk about covenant, all right, the Susan Vassal Treaty. Okay, you guys, okay, it's ringing a bell a little bit, okay. Uh, but a covenant really is simply an agreement, okay, and like a marriage, you come into a relationship under specific terms. For instance, take for, uh, take for instance Byron. Uh, Marion Byron automatically makes you a Lakers fan, right? Right? Okay, so Lauren, that automatically makes you a Lakers fan, okay? Um, it just comes with the territory, especially when you're playing the Spurs, okay? Um, but, you know, you know, with God, there's specific agreements here that we fall under. Starting in Genesis, God promised Abraham that he would enter a covenant with him and his descendants would become a holy nation. But this covenant was formally introduced uh, to his people through Moses and the Mosaic Law, the Ten Commandments. And I don't want to focus on the law but specifically, but the tabernacle. And how God established the means in which people could dwell with Him and His people could approach Him. Exodus 25, verse 8. Have them make a sanctuary for Me, and I will dwell among them. So God's purpose here in doing this, in building this tabernacle, was for Him to be able to physically dwell among His people. This tabernacle, I'm giving you very specific instructions because this is a copy of what is in heaven. This is a physical representation of a spiritual reality that is in heaven. So what is it like to enter? What was it like to enter the presence of God? Well, I have this Google aerial view, if you will, shot of the tabernacle, what it would be like. And we're going to start from the right to the left. And then later on, we're going to zoom in. We're going to Google search and zoom in just a little bit more. Okay. But stay with me. The very first thing you would see when you walk in is this altar of burnt offerings. And this was a constant reminder of the need for sacrifice to atone for sin. As soon as you walk in, you see this giant thing burning. It's just a reminder of sin, a reminder for the need of sacrifice to be able to even continue towards approaching God. Next thing would be this water basin, this laver. And the idea here was that you would offer up, after offering up your sacrifice for sin, 
Now you would have to clean yourself. You'd have to wash and purify yourself. And God specifically commanded the priests, if you don't do this, then you will die. And we start to see how important it was to come before God clean, to cleanse yourself before you come into the presence of God. And once you get past that, you then come what's known to the holy place. You're now in a tent, so to speak. And it's divided. In the first part here is the holy place. And on the right side, you see these 12 loaves of bread. And this bread was made fresh daily and it represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And on the left side, you would see the golden lampstand, which had seven branches. And seven is a symbolic number of God and His Spirit. And the lamps were always to keep burning. As long as the tabernacle was set up, the lamps were always lit. Then the altar of incense followed. And every morning Aaron was commanded by God to burn fragrant incense on the altar and again at twilight so incense would burn regularly before the Lord. Then one comes to the curtain, the veil. It's the last barrier between the holy place and the most holy of holiest places where the Ark of the Covenant would dwell, where God Himself would dwell. The curtain was a reminder of the holiness of God. Because to go beyond this and to see God face to face could be fatal. In fact, to go beyond this, the high priest could only do this once a year after having offered all these sacrifices. And he would tie a rope around his waist so that just in case he wasn't pure enough, he wasn't clean in any way, he would die in the presence of God that they would have a way to pull him out without having to go in there themselves. I mean, this whole process is intense. It's elaborate. It truly serves to remind us of how big a deal it was to come into the presence of God. So why am I sharing this with you? Why, why are we talking about it? What's the point? I, I want to hear about Jesus. What does this have to do with Jesus? God being with us. Well, Hebrews 9. Verse 23. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands. That was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself. Now to appear for us in God's presence, nor did He enter heaven to offer Himself again and again the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not His own. Otherwise Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But He has appeared once for all at the accumulation of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of Himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many and will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for Him. The 
writer is reminding them, don't you remember what it was like before? Before Jesus appeared and it made it much more accessible, much more easy to approach God and His presence. Jesus didn't enter into a copy. He came into the heavenly thing itself. And what the priest had to do year after year through animal sacrifices to atone for sin, Jesus did once and for all by sacrificing Himself. Every part of the physical worship at the tabernacle was just a foreshadowing of what would be fulfilled through Jesus. The Levitical priests carried out these ceremonies 1,400 years not knowing that the fulfillment of these things would come completely and be met through Jesus, Emmanuel, God, with us. So let's zoom in. Let's zoom in on the foreshadowing that's taking place. So now we're entering the tabernacle. And the first thing we see is the altar of the burnt offerings. And it's a reminder of the need for sacrifice because of sin. And what is that sacrifice? It's Jesus. It's the cross. It's Him providing that sacrifice Himself. That was fulfilled at His crucifixion. Hebrews 9 verse 12, He did not enter by means of blood of goats and calves, but He entered the most holy place once and for all by His own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and ashes of the heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Jesus was the living sacrifice, freely offered to everyone. Next is the laver. And the foreshadowing here is being washed, being cleansed of our sins. It's our baptism. And just as He died, we too can participate in the death, burial, and resurrection at our baptism. 1 Peter 3, verse 21. This water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. We can enter the holy place now, the most holy of places, because of the cross, because of the resurrection, and us participating in it through baptism. Third part, you walk into the holy place. You see on the right side the twelve loaves of bread. And that symbolizes the twelve tribes of Israel. It's also symbolic for the twelve apostles. How many basketfuls of bread does, does Jesus, do the, the apostles collect at their feeding? It's the five thousand. It's twelve. And you know what Jesus was saying about himself? He says, I am the living bread. He who comes to me will never go hungry. Come to me, therefore. 
I'm spiritual food. I will sustain you. Come to me. And then you look to your left hand side and you see the golden lampstand. And what does that represent? It's the Holy Spirit. And in this dream that Zechariah has in chapter 4, he sees the golden lamps always burning. And he sees these two olive trees behind it, symbolizing that these olive trees are always going to provide fuel for the fire. That God's Spirit will never go out. It can't be quenched. He is a consuming fire. That's the promise that you and I have in Christ, that we will always have His Spirit available to us as we remain in Him. And so you're in the holy place, and to your right is Jesus Himself, and to your left it's the Holy Spirit, both sustaining you as you approach God. The altar of incense then. You get to this golden altar, And in Revelation 5, verse 8, it talks about angels holding golden uh, golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. You know, Aaron was commanded to have this incense going day and night. That it's always before the Lord. And isn't that awesome to think that our prayers aren't petty to God. They're not burdensome to the mighty living God. But in fact, they are fragrance. They are beautiful before Him. And how many times do we catch ourselves thinking that I can't pray to Him. I can't pray for that. I can't lift that up before Him. I might just need to handle that on my own. But it's incense to God. To be able to come before Him in prayer. You know, we can't accomplish God's mission or purpose in our lives without daily and passionate prayer with the Mighty One. You know, it's why we took time this past week with the teens at Midweek to talk about prayer. And to be inspired that as we pray for our own walks with God, with each other, that Jesus Himself prays and intercedes on our behalf. And then lastly, you get to the curtain, which is the final barrier between man and God Himself. The holy place and the most holy of places. And remember, the earthly tabernacle is a copy of the heavenly tabernacle. And in the heavenly one, there is no more curtain. In Matthew 27, verse 50, when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice as He was being crucified, He gave up His Spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When Jesus was being crucified, at that moment, the curtain was torn. Through the cross, the veil was torn. It was removed. It became obsolete. A few years later, in 70 AD, the temple in Jerusalem is completely destroyed. There is no longer a need for sacrifices, a need for rituals, because it's been made complete through Jesus. Every single barrier between you and God has now been removed through Jesus. 
In Hebrews 10, verse 19, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is His body, since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Isn't that awesome? That we can approach God with full confidence. There is no barrier holding us back. But how many times do we allow our guilt, our shame, our regrets to approach Him, to come before Him. Jesus took care of it. The curtain has been removed. He has become our high priest. He will eternally intercede on your behalf. You can have the confidence to come before Him. You don't have to hold back. You don't need somebody to go for you. You can do it. Yourself, you can approach God before Him. For over 1,400 years, they couldn't even dream of this being a reality to come into the presence of God. But now, through Jesus, we can see God face to face when we see Jesus. The Bible says He is the image of the invisible God. That He is the sacrifice. He is the living bread. And you read through Revelation, you see this, the completion of God's plan. Revelation 21, verse 3, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And He will dwell with them. They will be His people and God Himself will be with them and be their people. He will wipe. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning, crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed. You know, and that's where we want to be. But until we are taken to be with Him, or He comes back, He wants us to know this in 1 Corinthians 3. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And that God's Spirit lives in you. That's right. He's trying to communicate this, that His Spirit is now in you and I. God's temple being so sacred, the process so elaborate, and yet He's saying that now, together with God, you and I, we become this temple for the world to see Him. And this is so much more. This, what we're doing, what we're gathering during this time is so much more than the songs we sing, than the pages we read from uh, an old book. It's so much more than just a holiday. You're a part of God's eternal plan. 
to be free from sin, to be reconciled to Almighty God, to live life to the full and help others to know this God. Jesus, the promised Emmanuel. He's the fulfillment. He is God with us. We don't have to fear. We don't have to fear because Jesus has interceded for us. And if you're a Christian here today, you are following Jesus. Take heart. Wherever you may be right now, whatever state and condition your heart may be, God would want you to hear this. Take heart and approach His throne with confidence because of what Jesus has done for you and for me. And if you're questioning these things, you're like, I don't get this. This is, I don't understand it fully. I want to understand. I encourage you to study out the Bible. I encourage you to not miss this during this time of year. Jesus, the Emmanuel, God pouring Himself out, wanting to be with us. The old way is gone. A new way has come. And we ought to be grateful for that. There are over 300 prophecies of what the Messiah would do, and Jesus fulfills them all. Fulfills the old covenant and makes it new. So we could have the opportunity to enter into a new relationship because of Jesus. To enter a relationship with our Emmanuel. So as we prepare to invite Him during this season, as you're getting things ready, as you're family time, as you're engaging as a ministry with people, with friends, our community, our neighbors, let's remember God's plan and Him wanting to be with us so that all of us would respond in such a way that we would want to be with Him. Let's close out in a word of prayer. Father, we thank You so much for this time we have to look at Your Word and to be inspired, to be moved, to have a time to elevate You in our lives, to have a healthy view of You, a healthy perspective of You, of why we do what we do and what matters to You. It matters, Father that we approach You. But we can't do that alone. Our sin has separated You from us. We have been separated because of our rebellion, because of our unrighteousness, our unholiness. And Father, and so we're thankful that You provide a way. You provide a means. And that's Jesus that we could bear our lives before Him. We could just be honest. We could take a a real inventory of our lives. And for us to truly not miss Christmas, we could lay aside our shortcomings and our sin and our faults and embrace Your coming. Embrace who You are. Embrace that You came in the flesh through Your Son Jesus and we could be reconciled to You through Him. It's ultimately what you want us to know during this time. 
that you offer us a forgiveness like a forgiveness we won't find anywhere else. Father, and if we have that forgiveness, I pray that we live in step with it, a forgiven people, that the world could see that and could acknowledge that they have been with the Son. And Father, as we live our lives, that that could be said about each one of us here who walk faithfully as your son and daughter. Father, we love you. We thank you. We're so grateful for this time. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.